so first things first, you know, uh, I am I apologize via text, but uh, <laughs> I feel compelled to apologize again that uh, I invited you on for what I didn't know, but should have guessed by the fact that it was called Ski School and was released in 1991, but an, an aggressively hetero and at the same time homophobic movie. Oh my God, yes. The, the, mo- the most that we have ever had to watch so far. Wait a minute. See, I was prepared for you know full on just psycho hate crime, but this was. <laughs> I thought it was fine, <laughs> but maybe that is just how long I've been in quarantine. That I'm like, this seems fun. I want to go to this party. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know Ricky is very wedded to this. I mean, it is an aggressive, and they do say like they call someone fag as an insult in this really gross way that somehow has not come up in any of the movies we've done so far. So like that part was like pretty rough. Yeah. There's one F bomb, but it's funny. I don't to, to defend the boys from district eight who are, I feel like (laughs) my guys, they're my guys. They're the heroes. Me too. To be clear, me too. Obviously I'm a section eight guy. I mean, of course. yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're all district eight. We all just like to party. We all like, have consensual sex and that's cool right um unlike district one but the uh i feel like they're pranking you know this infamous kind of prank where they trick two guys from from the you know rival ski crew into like having almost sex with each other i think it's to kind of kind of a call out their homophobia a little bit right like that's fair because the 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 section one or the you know the preppy guys are the ones who drop the f bomb right and it is right. in some ways but at the same time the entire crowd is laughing at them exactly not, but not in a way that is kind of like oh my god look at how homophobic these like these boys are the, they're they're like oh my god these two guys are in bed together oh my god they're gonna kiss oh my god what I love that scene. I mean, that's like the premise to half the porn I watch. So, about learning how to ski. For Dave Marshall and his gang, life is one big party. Welcome to my kingdom. I will bet you all before the night is through. They're the best at what they do. I've been watching you ski. You're really good. <laughs> May I present to you Section 8. But the competition is fierce. It's dead. I control this mountain. And I say this is your last year. With their backs against the wall, they'll do anything to win. Do you want to have sex with me? Okay. Let's get naked! They've got style. Let the games begin! Class! Was there something about your wigwam? Oh! And the perfect secret weapon. Who is she? Where does she come from? Do you really care? Oh my god. You're listening to 
<laughs> 30 years later, uh, hosted by me, Ricky Camilleri, and co-hosted by Chris Chafin. I mean, or hosted by Chris Chafin, co-hosted by me. I'm not sure who gets the top billing. <laughs> I here. say it's uh, me. I get the top billing every episode. You always forget, well, though. I don't know why. Well, try opening an organizational document that I make for the podcast, <laughs> and you can get top billing. Uh, and today we're talking about 1991's Ski School. Uh, which was a recommendation by Chris <laughs> to watch. And we're joined by uh, the great Brian Foss, uh, one of the funniest people I know and funniest oh my people God. around. I love the intro um, already. <laughs> always a delight. Always makes me laugh. Um, Brian, before we get started, how can how can people find you? What would you like to point people towards? Oh, yeah. Well, um, you know, not a lot of performing live these days, but uh, you can... <laughs> You can watch me on uh, page six. I host a couple series over there. Um, one of them that I know, Ricky, you've watched is called Steamy and Streamy. It's like a digital series where uh, myself and my co-host, uh, Leah Palmieri from Decider, we like break down sex scenes from, you know, premium TV and and, and we make fun of it and, and stuff like that. So I host stuff at page six. And of course, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter and all that. You know, dumb stuff. I gotta say, a lot of lot of steam in this one. A lot of steam. Oh, yeah, we have the perfect person, Ricky. This is amazing. Yeah. So, this is like I am dying to talk about every single one of the weird sex scenes in this movie with you. So this much, movie is so, so much horny, Chris. I'm so glad you recommended a horny movie. <laughs> <laughs> Can we all say like horny while at the same time extremely unsexy and like on it's uh, at certain times it feels almost like objective camera work, like almost verite camera work of bad sex happening oh. at numerous oh, yeah. points in the movie. Ricky, I'm a um, little confused to hear you call the movie not sexy because girls have their shirts off. So I don't know what, <laughs> I don't, I'm really not following like what. Minute one, okay. minute one, there's, there's topless female. Yeah. It it's is, like yeah. in the opening montage, yeah. like in the first minute. Yeah. There's so much toplessness in this movie that I forgot how like eighties and nineties, like, teen sex comedies like were the equivalent of like internet you know teenage search terms like <laughs> before you could like google like nipple <laughs> or blowjob you had to like rewind to the exact part of a movie and like what like this was like jerk off material for 13 year old boys in 1991 you know i mean so also, i have specifically specifically for a nipple like you would rewind back like you would be there'd be cleavage and you would also and if like a woman re removed her shirt enough to reveal nipples as a teenage boy you'd be like whoa <laughs> go back go back go back there were nipples she showed nipple and none of the women at the ski school in whistler mountain or wherever we are none of them wore bras yeah, I did I think know. about this. There's a scene towards the end of the movie where um, three young women are convinced to flash one of the villains while he's yeah. skiing. And of course, these women are completely nude underneath their jackets. They're in full ski gear, but yes. no bra, not even like a sports bra. It's like... <laughs> and it's like a single layer also. I mean, it's kind of like April O'Neil, like they're wearing that level, but like a ski April O'Neil. Honestly, very sexy. Should we uh, talk briefly about what the movie is? I mean, to summarize this movie is to summarize, I think, every sort of meatballs teen sex comedy of the 80s, because this is kind of like the hand-me-down of hand-me-downs of all of them. Yes. Um, there's a ski school. There is the slacker kids who are really fun. There's the preppy kids who are dicks. And the 
slacker kids want to party and fuck and the preppy kids uh i don't know what they want to do they want to ski i guess <laughs> which i guess is what everybody goes to ski school for so it's hard to be mad at them about that yeah that is true they're just like they're just like, guys, please teach the ski school. Like, you can have fun too. But like, I mean, I would actually love to talk about this. If is is this actually a school? Because I don't think it is. There no. wasn't one class. Not one. There was class. not one. <laughs> and then at a certain point, textually in the movie, they kind of joke about the idea that it's a school. Like, oh, it's not really a school. But I was like, do the are the characters aware that they are not in school, or do they believe they are at some kind of ski academy? Well, it's hard because the. The um, actors all seem sort of the same age. It's like <laughs> watching Beverly Hills 90210 where you're like, Steve is in the high school? Okay. You know? <laughs> and, and like the head preppy guy and the head slacker, I guess they're like five years older than their students. And right. I think they're employees. But I didn't, I honestly didn't get that until 90 minutes into the movie. I was like, oh, they're <laughs> employees. And people pay them money to go to ski school and learn how to do slope style tricks. But we never really, it, at no point do they set up the stakes of like, we're learning something. There's going to be a competition until literally like the last. The last the there race. are no yeah. stakes. I mean, you could say arguably until the last ski race, there are zero stakes. Like it doesn't matter at all. And usually for a movie like this, like at least there's that, like uh, they're going to demolish the mountain. If we don't Wait, win that, the ski race, you know, but that, but that comes up in what is indicative of this entire movie, which is in the most half-assed way possible. <laughs> all of a sudden in the last 10 minutes, a new, like a seemingly almost new character shows up and is like, oh yeah, we're going to like sell the mountain or whatever to somebody else. And they're like, what, sir? You cannot do that. <laughs> and like a very, and they're like, what, they sometimes do this like weird Shakespearean performery voice that they think is yeah. funny and it's not. And then they have to do a ski like a competition to save the, the, the school or the mountain at the end out of nowhere. And everybody cheats in the competition. Yes. Oh like God. they're <laughs> throwing a grappling hooks around each other. Like what are the standards of this ski competition? No one, no one, like, no one is, is brought to justice for, for cheating or anything. It's just like, they just cheat and in full view of everybody that's watching. And because it's not guy. that There's cartoony. No like it, it seems real to a point and then somebody throws a grappling hook around someone. But it's played not like it's a Bugs Bunny cartoon. So it is very weird. See, to me, the format of this movie is like a musical, but instead of musical numbers, you have parties. Yes, so like, I agree. There's dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. And then every once in a while, the dialogue, the dialogue just leads to a party <laughs> and for like three to five minutes, you literally just watch people dancing and drinking beer. And there's a lot of like cutaways to eye rolling, which is my favorite thing about this movie is how much like someone does something stupid. Then it cuts to a beautiful like ski babe and she just rolls her eyes. <laughs> oh, yes. There are so, there that are is so pretty many... cool. I agree. <laughs> I love there that. There are about so many movie. cutaways in this movie wow. that are clearly like the director was just like, something just happened. Make a face. And they're like, what happened? What face did I make? And the director's like, just make a fucking face. And they're like, okay. And then they cut it in and it barely ties to what they would be reacting to. Also, I think it's partially what you're picking up on is that, so the, like like you were saying, Brian, there's like um, maybe a dozen party scenes in this movie, but there oh, seems to have been like, 
uh, like two hours of party recorded by the film crew. That is just, we're just seeing it over and over and over again. Like occasionally they're in a different room, but a lot of times they're not, oh, you this know, the best movie to be a background actor on. Like you just like, there's a redhead and a stoner looking guy with long hair in the cool, the cool crew district eight. And they have no lines and they just hang out in the room. They're even on the poster or what I <laughs> the poster yes. on HBO max. They have the four main characters, like the cool dudes, and then the extras that are just the featured dudes who are just there to look <laughs> like burnouts. And like, what a fucking fun time they had to just like hang out in the room, drink real beer. They're not like fake beers. And just like <laughs> pretend to go to ski school. Well, Ricky, you looked up this movie, right? I mean, it was just made by a bunch of nice Canadian gentlemen. Is that kind of what happened? Well, I, at one point when I was watching the movie... I said out loud to my friend who I was watching with, there's no fucking way this movie's not Canadian. <laughs> like I, I, there's just a certain vibe that I could just, I can only identify it and define it as purely Canadian, especially at a, around this time. And I looked it up and yeah, the director is Canadian and it was made by three people. One of them was the money person. And then the producer and direct the producer the producers were the cinematographer and the director and they wrote it together so this was like an independent venture for these two it was like guys. someone's dream to make this movie i mean it might have just been their dream to make a lot of money where they were kind of like if we can get a lot of tits and we can get some like kind of funny but doesn't really matter if they're funny people on screen we got we got a movie here and just like hang out and party for free at whistler like i'm sure that was like a large percentage of the motivation yeah they rented out the resort for you know a week and a half and hired a bunch of you know babes and dudes and had fun like so wait just to clarify the there is a plot of the movie there's a we do have a hero johnny right who i'm guessing is the the french canadian guy or right johnny shows up Yes. Well, Johnny, you're talking about Johnny with the eyebrows. Yes. Yes. Johnny shows up and he's like from, I think they literally say Montana or Wyoming. And they're like, where do you ski from? And Johnny's like, no one. I'm from nowhere. I have my own mountain in Wyoming. And he's really good at skiing and has never trained with anyone professional. Right. He shows up. The the jocks, the 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 preppy guys they pass him off on the stoners and it turns out he's the best skier, right? He's like this. Oh, that's Johnny. Yeah, that's Johnny. Yeah, that's Johnny. Johnny. Oh, Johnny's like the cute shy one. Yeah. He's like the one that has sex with the, he's, he's the main character of the movie, I guess. Kind of. I always thought thought eyebrows was the main character. You mean like the funny guy, the sort of like, he's Jeremy Piven in PCU, like that guy. Yeah. Can we like, can we like put funny in quotes here, please? Because... <laughs> I don't mean yes, okay. But you know Anytime what I mean? That's his archetype. His archetype is the funny guy. 100% his archetype, but like, and I hate to have any ever give Jeremy Piven a compliment, but Piven compared in PCU compared to this guy in this movie deserves <laughs> like multiple Oscars almost. I mean, like, I did literally I... write in my notes at some point, like longing for even the plot structure of PCU. <laughs> like, well, I know. Sorry to go back to the Canada thing, but I think I remember the moment I realized this was a like a purely Canadian movie. 
when I saw the opening credits and one of the actors' name is Patrick Labiorito. L A B Y O R T E A U X. Labiorito. It's the most French Canadian thing I've ever heard. Oh my god! You might as well be Patrick Poutine. It is the movie and all of the performers are wildly charismaless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like is, they seem it, to be having a good time, maybe, but it's not like I'm not having a good time watching them. You know, there there are moments that I wanted to step into the frame and like put my hand on someone's shoulder and be like, "Are you really here right now? Are you in this moment? Where are you?" Because they feel everybody feels, at least it felt to me very disconnected from the entire enterprise that they are a part of. Wait, so it's like barely reading lines. Speaking of this. So Brian, you were just sticking up for the fact that this movie has a plot structure and we did interrupt you about six minutes into the movie. But to me, like you described the entire plot of the movie until where we picked it up, which is the last 10 minutes of the movie in the middle of the movie. I defy you to tell me what the plot was. Who knows? I think it's a hero's journey. <laughs> I think it's Johnny going through, like, uh, he realizing he's part of the cool crew. But that that never is, is executed. You know, I think that's supposed no. to be like, he's the innocent, you know, um, American who shows up in Whistler and he ends up, like, saving the day. And he actually literally uh, has the two biggest sex scenes in the movie, right? Yes, he does. One is yeah. with the, like, kind two and of a half. Or... Two and a half. Two and a half? What was the half? Well, well, you don't actually see them have sex with the blonde girl on the first night, but they're, like, making out on the bed. Oh, right. right. Yes, yes. Oh, wait. Then I... Then he has... Oh, yeah, you're right. Two and a half. And... But the most crucial one is that he beds this beautiful um, British... Older yeah, wealthy woman back at her ski lodge. They have sex on a table and or on like the Hot. kitchen counter. And that's like the sexiest scene. That's like the risky business, you know, the you know, sweaty skin, right. you know, late 80s, early 90s, you know, love scene. And because she's introduced right at the beginning of the movie as being like a mysterious hot person. And then she yeah. shows up again later on and she's flirting with him and they're going to have sex. And I, you know, I've seen a lot of movies like this. And so as this sex scene is starting, I'm because he's already having this romance with this blonde girl. And, I'm, right. and I said to my wife, oh, man, is he not going to have sex with her because he's going out with the blonde girl? And then they started having sex. And I was like, oh, good. <laughs> like 10 minutes yeah, that later. Was like- that was like one moment in the movie that felt pretty realistic. Like most, like we've, we've talked about this with other movies. I can't remember which, but where it's been kind of like, why aren't they having sex? Like right. there was one recently, Chris, where it was kind of like this woman is throwing herself at him and he is not doing this. That is wildly unrealistic. There's no reason they wouldn't have sex. Like if these characters, like they would definitely, definitely have sex. Uh, so it was refreshing. And I remi- admire the on- uh, honesty and bravery of this movie. Well, I, I feel like, you know, a movie like Ski School is sort of there to teach like pubescent kids how to be adults a little bit, you know, and, and it's a lot of bad, bad lessons. But like what, you know, it's like, how do you throw a party? Like what, what, how do you wear ski outfits all the time? You know, but like. one of the, <laughs> you know, the lessons we all need to learn, <laughs> you know, it's like how to be an adult who is a terrible person. Um, But one of the things that keeps coming up that I notice is that if you want someone to have sex with you, you 
offer to change outfits in front of them. <laughs> this happens like three or four times a movie where it's like, hey, do you mind coming back to my room? I just want to change my entire outfit. And then they do it in front of the person that, of course, then starts sexy time, you know? Yeah, because there's this kind of fiction that they're going to, like, look the other way while you change your clothes. Or, I don't know, go in the other room. But, like, I was like, why did I not know this when I was a teenager? It's just, like, just offer to, like, change in front of someone. And then that could (laughs) become you know, sexy time. Now I realize that I, what I just said sounds really creepy. No, it sounds completely correct. And I agree a hundred percent. I, the situation I was always in, in my life. And I feel like I talk about this on the show before Ricky is like, like yeah, you always talk about how you couldn't get laid. It's a yeah. How I couldn't, not how I couldn't get laid, but how I didn't pick up that people were trying to have sex with me. Like if, if a girl had asked me to come back to her room and changed, I would have been like, okay, I'll stay in the bathroom till you're done. And then, she would be like hey what's going on in there and i'm like oh nothing just let me know when you're finished and i'll come out you know like i would not have picked up and i would have thought i was being like well behaved and and a gentleman i want you to hear this song i'm playing and you're like no thank you (laughs) that seems inappropriate i I always remember like like uh, jock is the wrong way to put it but like jockish guys that i grew up with who were totally comfortable basically being like yo let me see you with your shirt off yo yo come here take like why don't you guys take your shirt off and kiss or something and i always thought that was horrific so i did everything i could to be as removed from that type of personality right. as possible right, and yeah. so i would definitely find myself in situations like chris is talking about where it's like i'm just going to be respectful and hide over here and they're like why don't you want to fuck me it's like exactly. teenage girls are horny too and in and this movie i will say one of the redeeming factors True. as pig-headed yeah. as the whole movie is and potentially homophobic is that everyone is equally horny. <laughs> yeah. Like, and in fact, when the, when he has sex with the old rich lady, the song that's playing is going like, she don't want a boyfriend. She just want to have a good time. The So Johnny's main character arc, or main, like his main problem is that like this one really hot blonde girl likes to have sex with him and is like really cool about it. And then there's no like an older woman that likes to, what's that? She says no strings. Right. And then this older woman likes to have sex, wants to have sex with him too. And then that's it. And then they try <laughs> to present it as like a conflict at some point. But again, it's like everything else in this movie where it's, you're just sort of like, where is the next step in this conflict? Where, where is the ne- Where is the part where this actually feels like people are worried about something? Because there's, the- a, there's a scene where they're like outside the, the lodge and he's, she's like the old, the rich woman drives by and she's like, see you at the party tonight, Johnny. And the blonde woman is like, huh, okay. And walks away. <laughs> like, that's it. It's like the whole, and it's, it feels referential to what most movies would do. The main character would have a conflict like this and not know that he's in love with his best friend while he's like going out, like, be like, like Teen Wolf and, and um, Michael J. Fox's fem- like tomboy friend in Teen Wolf, right? Totally. But he's like kind of dating the hot girl the hot popular girl and he has to find out that he likes i forgot what the tom boy's name is i think it's like biff or sport or some shit like that and Higger. T- yeah i think it really is something boof i think it's boof it's boof, boof? <laughs> yeah it doesn't really get more tomboy like more the asexual than boof, <laughs> boof. there was um, that guy on uh, growing pains who was named boner and that was his name for oh, the entire yeah. show 
Fresh Prince but had the, Lawrence Lake, you know. Yeah, this is but just a nineties thing, yeah. At the end of Teen Wolf, you know, he finds that he loves Boof instead of the pre- hot blonde preppy girl. And in this movie, they don't even really know how to set up that very minor conflict for this no. character. No. no, Johnny should be tempted to join District One. But right. he's not. He, right. At some point, like but right from the beginning, they are like insanely cruel to him. He shows up to register for ski school and they're like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like unprompted. <laughs> I have no idea why they're so cruel to him. So then he joins district eight, but at some point they should have like courted him to be part of the elite team. And then he has to choose yeah. like, where did his yeah, loyalties yeah. lie? And like, you know, right. there's he something good go in it for him to be in district one too. Yeah. He never yeah. has to choose. Even when he has to choose the blonde over the older woman, he just kind of does. He's never faced with the, like the older woman just goes away. She just dissolves into the background until the final scene. Right. And so the movie kind of makes the choice for him at that point. Well, she ends it's up such... buying the, the resort. and Yes, the, the final scene. And you get the impression that like this, this kind of uh, MTV VJ character with the eyebrows that we're like ignoring, even though he's sort of the most screen time in the whole movie. <laughs> you get the impression that he ends up becoming like in a couple with the rich lady, right? Yeah. Right, right. Because yeah. they're hugging or whatever, you know, something. He had, no, feel like... he had no sex appeal, man. He was just like. But it was often his job to be in the scene with the topless women, but I never really thought it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. He always kind of has this right, look on I his think, face like, uh, eh, these titties, huh? Oh, brother. <laughs> I think MTV VJ character is honestly the best description of that guy. There is, as soon as you said that, it was like, oh, that's exactly what he looks like. He looks like an MTV VJ from 1988 being like, hey, guys, we're sitting down now with Metallica and we're going to talk about their new song. Like, you know, coming like, up next, Doc Jams. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. He was it's like just before Eric Nice shows up. This guy was one of the, an MTV VJ. Yeah, someone took Eric Nice and combined it with Polly Shore, and then they like <laughs> took all charisma away. <laughs> um, I have to. Say, I was telling Chris just before we started that I was watching Ski School Two, which is available in full on YouTube. Oh, sure. um, <laughs> uh, so, couple couple things about it. First thing, no breasts, and I don't think they're edited out for YouTube. There's, I think it's like PG thirteen, which is baffling Baffling. because at that point it's just an earnest movie without earnest um and two the guy wait did you just compare the the naked female breasts in ski school to earnest (laughs) was that your analogy no i think the tone of the movie and like the production values feels like an earnest movie we're just trying to think of an example of the indefinable essence of a film you were and you were like well earnest in an earnest movie (laughs) This is true. Whenever really hot tits show up in a movie, I go, Ernest! <laughs> really excited. I think of Ernest P. Worrell. Mm, um, have you? And the second and the second thing is the guy who that we're talking about, this MTV VJ character, the movie's only made three years later, and he looks a significant like at least 10 to 12 years old. <laughs> he has he does not have long hair anymore. Oh, he has wow. very short. His entire personality hair. is long hair. What do you mean? It's all gone. He literally looks like a bit player on an episode of Murphy Brown. 
Oh, like, no. like show, shows up in the office and is like Murphy's new assistant and gets two lines in the episode and then and then is gone. And he is again, he is the star of of the movie. Yeah. So I'm on his Wikipedia right now. His name is Dean Cameron. And the other thing reason he's notable to me is that he's one of the star. Well, I like the stars, like B level cast of uh, Summer School. You guys ever see that movie? Oh, that's yes. right. Is so he the horror guy? Yes, he's one of the horror guys. Oh yes, my gosh. in summer I, It's like all coming back to me. Yes. So at the, I guess the thing is at this because that was 1987 and this is 1991. So I think at this point he's at the tail end of even conceivably looking like this. Wait, is so he like also from summer school. Is who also from summer school? The other like jack off guy fits the like goofy guy uh, with the yeah. Team. Wait, I, this is he's information from, I don't have. Team Wolf too. <laughs> Gary Riley is who we're talking about. Yeah, he's 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 Jason Bateman's character's like best friend in Teen Wolf Two, like yeah. um, the guy in Teen Wolf One who was the Styles in Teen Wolf One. He got an as Fitz credit in the opening, and I was like, hmm, what's that about? As Fitz, that's very weird. That's why in the world <laughs> does he does not deserve a credit like that at all? That's absolutely insane. I thought he, you know. <laughs> He probably should have been the main character. <laughs> like he wasn't a good actor, but I think he had like the most heart, you know? He like I think he was the physical embodiment of like a, a ski mountain. He was like, yeah, whoa, cool, woohoo, you know? And like yeah, I mean he, I actually was like couldn't take my eyes off of his performance, even though half the time I was pretty sure he was looking into the lens. <laughs> that does happen several times in the movie that people look down yes, the lens. They're like, it's like this idea that they're partying so hard they just can't help but look at you in the lens and be like, "This party is amazing." <laughs> Multiple times. I guess it's kind of evoking, like you were saying, like kind of an MTV idea. It's like in that moment, it's like you're watching it on home video or MTV or something. So they're like, "Whoa, party!" <laughs> Um, but you're not. It's just still the movie. So it kind of doesn't work. Um, one thing I wanted to say about this movie is like you were, Brian, you were talking about how it's like a, a it's essentially like a porn movie. But instead of sex, there's parties. But yeah, um, yeah. I agree. In it, but I also think that um, like cool ski tricks are what that that the movie is about. Totally. I think that this is essentially like a skate video, but it's a dramatic it's a it's a full movie. Like there is a large amount of ski tricks in the in the movie, and they're actually all pretty cool looking. I think. I mean, I'm not an expert skier, but they all seem pretty good, and um, they're like staged really well. I mean, even the opening shot, it's like these synchronized skiers coming down, doing the slalom down the hill, and it must have been shot on a helicopter or something. And it's like looks great, you know. And there's a lot of shit like that. Yeah, uh, the, the final competition where they do a helicopter drop down, like pretty much a vertical slope and you know of course the actors put on giant helmets yeah, right. yeah. In person but i mean that looks genuinely frightening and like is genuinely riveting so maybe if you're in a movie theater and you're watching these like slope style ski flips and stuff you'd be like actually super entertained you know like that yeah, might and this is like a world like i'm saying like a world before skate videos mostly like i guess skate videos kind of exist but i mostly think of them from a couple years after this uh I so it's like be with, 
where are you going to get it? Where are you going to, where are you going to get this fix from? You know what I mean? Like you gotta, you have to build a, you have to write a whole script around like a ski school, you know, just as an excuse to go shoot a bunch of cool ski tricks. Similar to tits. Similar to tits. A whole whole bad movie. Just so you can get a couple women to take their shirts off for teen boys. Exactly. (laughs) There was several scenes speak back to the you know boobs it kind of reminded me how um you know as a a gay man i'm like oh yeah boobs like (laughs) it sort of i sort of like forgot about boobs yeah (laughs) and then you see a movie from like you know from the blockbuster era where like it's so important to show like you know a pair of a pair of you know tiggle bitties and uh and i think it's like so funny to me that like we've moved as a culture away from this. Like maybe now it's more into like butts and maybe that's why. I mean, Brian, I think boobs don't exist anymore. I uh, agree with you hundred percent. I think that boobs have gone extinct. Like this is not a thing that exists in boobs. culture. Yeah. Yeah. Was- I remember in the mid nineties when striptease came out, he overhearing adult conversations uh, specifically about Demi Moore's breasts in the movie. Like, I would just people going to see it for that reason. Cause that was like so- the marketing of the movie was like, you can yeah. see her boobs. There's her boobs in this movie. And men and women were like curious about this celebrity's boobs. They want, they needed to go so they could come back and be like, yeah, we went and saw it. They're fake. It was a major part of culture at the time was this woman's boobs. Yeah. And then it just like 25 years ago, it just maybe JLo or like the Kardashians or whatever. And people were just like, yeah, Anyone can get boobs, but butts. Now that's hard. Yes, it's true. Butts are big. I mean, I guess uh, like a Fast and the Furious movie, it's all about showing you the butts. Like, and has been from the jump, right? Like, that's always the shot at the like race at the beginning of the movie is like low dolly in on some girl's butt in like jean oh, shorts. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but I mean, you're right. At this crap. era, boobs were such a big deal. I mean, what you guys were saying about knowing where the fucking boobs were on the vhs like you would have like Angela the... anderson barbed wire you know it's yeah like, yes. exactly you know like i would i mean i would know what minute of the movie it was because it shows you the counter on the screen i'm like okay it's like 23 22 okay i gotta get there <laughs> you know <laughs> the tape is ruined tape is ruined exactly yeah <laughs> specifically in that spot like it's just been rewound and fast forwarded over so many times in like a five minute space on the tape um, if this movie were made today, Zac Efron would be in it and he would be as naked as all of the women. <laughs> yes, definitely. That's true. 100%. He'd be dying on set because he wouldn't be able to drink water because in every shot he has to have like cut muscles. You know, that's, 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 like, that's like a thing for male celebrities like that, like him. And when they made Baywatch, I talked to an actor who was on the set and they were like, it's the weirdest thing in the world. None of those guys drink, can, can drink water. They're dying all day. They need to because look like, like a Ziploc bag that had all the air sucked out of it. Exactly, exactly. And like actors will like pass out on set oh like that God. because they're just not drinking any fucking water. I thought it was so hilarious that one scene where they're all the women are just in a sauna doing the labata. Is that what it's called? The what's the forbidden dance? Oh my god! <laughs> a bunch of women are hanging out in a sauna practically naked which women it's like women don't do this women don't sit in a hot tub with their tops off just chatting that's like not something they would do but there's a whole scene where they where the uh the cool guys like crash the sauna with a bunch of women in there 
and they teach them how to do the lambada. Am I lambada? What's the name of the dance? The forbidden. I don't know. Anyway, I mean, you're you're reminding me of another moment in the movie about that has limbo, but that's not lambada. I don't know what. No, they all just out of nowhere are like, "Ladies, we're gonna teach you how to do this sexy dance," and they're all like, "No, oh my gosh!" And then they all just start dancing in the sauna, and that's it. Yeah, that and that's another example of what this movie feels like. Where it's like what? we're gonna do this thing, and then they kind of do it, and then it's over. Yeah, and they're like, "Well, we shot it. <laughs> that's a wrap." <laughs> <laughs> There's another moment in the movie where the guys are all like, "They're like, let's let's party," and it's like the boys hanging out, and they're all doing the limbo underneath a ski, <laughs> and it's not like they're doing it once to like get something. They keep going back and forth doing the limbo. And I just sat there thinking to myself, I have never been in a room with men who have done the limbo. Absolutely. Who've been like, yeah, let hold up a stick, guys. Let's like see how low we can go. This is gonna be a great night with the boys. Like <laughs> never in my life have I experienced that. But you know, this was a time before maybe video games. No, not I don't know. Like, I don't know what these guys before our phones. Brian, no one limbos anymore. We're all too busy looking down at our phones. It's a terrible culture. Terrible culture we have. I love watching people pretending to have fun. It is oh. a very strange thing. It's like community theater, like a production of Greece. And you see like the group of T-birds and they're all like clapping and posing and like pointing and laughing but it's all like hollow you know yeah they're all like every scene where they're supposed to be having fun no one looks committed to the fun that they're supposed to be performing right yeah like there's a moment another moment that i remember where it's like they're like party and then (laughs) the two main guys like get up on a bar and start dancing and they just look so uncommitted and distant and removed well, from Pee-wee the Pee Wee Herman dance. Is that the scene where they do a little Pee Wee Herman dance? Wait, I would just like to say the scene where they do the limbo, where they're doing the limbo together, right? I, I thought this was actually a really uh, touching and sad scene that really got to me because it reminded me of lots of times of being in high school or college where you're hanging out with your friends and you're like basically just getting drunk in a very sad way, but you keep going like, we're having a party <laughs> woo! <laughs> but really it's just you and your three friends you see every single day sitting there like drinking and smoking pot you know i was like this is actually this is literally what it would be like like the scenes where they go to these crazy parties with girls with their shirts off that's not what ski school is like at whistler like this is what it's like but they talk about it the same way <laughs> do you know what i mean like oh we had crazy parties every night <laughs> That scene, with the I think the, the only moment that I ever saw commitment from the actors to a bit, again, it was not a good bit, but it seemed like they were trying, was the one where they do the game, sh- the, like the game show, Whose Underwear Is That? Right? <laughs> oh my God. Where the, the guy comes walking out, and he's like, today on Whose Underwear, we have white rose cotton panties, and whose, these were found on a ski oh in the God. back of the lodge. And everyone's like, hmm, Alex, let's... And they're all doing, like, game show impressions. The only time I ever saw the actors committed, and I wonder if that's the first thing they shot for the movie, and they, those <laughs> actors were like, that was terrible. This director is, an, is sucks and doesn't know what's funny. I, we're not going to try the rest of the movie. Fuck this. Let's get it over with. 
Yeah, I really hate the merry band of, you know, rapscallions, like the Shakespearean troubadour kind of like shit they do throughout the whole thing is so phony. And if they're supposed to be the cool ski guys, they were acting extremely like the tech theater nerds, you know? Like literally there's a scene where one of where the cool guy does is doing helium and doing a monologue from Midsummer Night's Dream. What? what? He's the cool guy in 1991. That's not what the cool. That's another moment where I'm like, this is Canadian. This, <laughs> this, is, what, this is absolutely Canadian. Although, no- you know what I'll say is that it did put me in mind, you know, Brian, I don't know if you watch Star Trek. I love Star Trek. I watch a lot of Star Trek. No joking. Like, yeah, fuck off. Um, <laughs> but it reminded me of like, of culture used to be so different that even ski school had references to Shakespeare. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like that was just a thing that was in the environment at the time. And it was such a part of the environment that even the movie ski school features some Shakespeare for some reason. Wait, Do you know what I mean? Now that you mention it and I'm going to throw it out there is the main character Dean or whatever his name is. Um, yeah. Is he supposed to be the puck character? Because he whispers, this is a plot oh, device. Oh my God, you're right. Oh my God. He whispers sweet nothings into people's ears when they're sleeping. That's and right. To inspire the, the young lovers. <laughs> so he he kind of like puts little ideas in people's heads while they're sleeping. And this is something that I totally forgot was a huge part of the movie and like a way they trick people into having sex with each other and et cetera, et cetera. They put like little ideas in their head. That's totally a Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh my Does God. Does that happen more than once? Yeah, yeah he, he does it a bunch to people. Oh my God, is this a good movie? Is it well-written? Oh no. He's the puck, yes. It, was, it has a device. It's related to Shakespeare. Yeah, and it, it, it's twice. And I'm guessing it happened a lot more, but maybe they cut those scenes. It's strange. At one point, he literally is has like a megaphone under a yeah. door and he's whispering mm-hmm. it into someone's room that's like asleep behind the door it's kind of crazy and he's like you will you will love him you will shower him with love it doesn't matter what he's done and that's johnny who then shows up and she's like get in here and fucks his brains out that's right exactly and his other thing that he does i didn't quite understand but he basically hypnotized one of the dudes from section eight into not having sex is that what happened i couldn't quite understand what the reason was supposed to be but that was like the outcome oh right there was the guy who is the french canadian uh le troubadour um actor (laughs) his character is that he parties too much which you would think that was all the characters but there's a point where they decide he's partying too much and he's having too many ladies so they need him to focus right and so they get abstain and that's like a joke yeah. Yeah, they're like it's like you if you have sex you'll your freaking dick will fall off. Like don't do it, you know, and then he spends the rest of the movie trying to not hook up with women and they're just constantly swarming him. <laughs> yeah. God. Actually a lot happens in this movie. I don't think we're giving it enough credit. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I, I Ricky, I, I don't know why this hasn't affected you the way it's affected me. The idea that this movie it has a, a, the central character who is Puck and who is introduced doing a Puck monologue and then behaves as Puck throughout the movie. And I had completely gone over my head. And I, I, I don't know. Maybe this is a good movie. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> 
Just because, like, you know, the script was presented to somebody and they went and, like, the person that it was presented to was like, whoa, kind of, like, he's, he's like, Puck. And they were like, oh, okay, well, let's make that part of the movie. <laughs> like, there's just no, it's just not. Ricky, not movies are a collaborative art. I don't know what, I, this doesn't sound like an argument against it to me. Yes. <laughs> Out of all these different people's visions working together, we got this marvelous product. There's, there's, the, the, sorry, go ahead, Brian. I was going to say, one thing's for sure, back to the, like, forced gay sex scene (laughs) we put a a lid on that but my qualm with that whole situation and i kind of want to break it down is that how did they pull this off yes yes got a beautiful woman to talk to two guys separately and get and trick them into saying things that then they filmed from afar then within a few minutes (laughs) cut together that dialogue Yes. To air at the party, which had a movie projector and a screen already set up. Meanwhile, <laughs> they've set up a bedroom for these two guys to interact with the lights off so that when the camera goes live, so not only do you have a roll-in clip, but then it cuts to a live... <laughs> seamlessly. 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 How do they have a full TV studio you know, production at the ski resort. So then it cuts to the party where a live shot is these two men in bed together and the lights come on and then they're shocked and everyone's laughing. It's like, it just would never happen. And it, and the movie knows it would never happen because when one of the guys is in bed, he's like fiddling with a condom, which give them props. They use rubbers in this movie. Yes. Um, You know, peak AIDS epidemic. You gotta, he's like, Fiddling with a condom, he's like having trouble. He's putting the condom on ahead of time, which is adorable. You know, <laughs> in bed, he's like, and he's like, I can't believe this woman's gonna have sex with me. This is the guy with like the comb over that's like, you know, 50 years old for some reason. <laughs> he's putting a condom on, then the other guy comes in, and the guy that's already in bed, this is the part where the movie sort of lost me, and this is really 10 minutes into the movie. <laughs> The guy that's already in bed is so horny. He's so excited that this woman's coming in and it's like kind of in the dark. He covers his own face with a pillow. What? He covers his own face with a pillow. So then when the other man walks in, they both don't see that they're both guys and they climb into bed together. So I was like willing to go all the way to that moment with the filming and the editing and the party and the live feed. I was willing to go with all of that until it's like, wouldn't you look at the person walking into the No, no, Brian, like you ever, like you ever get so horny, you're like, man, I got to put a pillow over my face. I can't wait till my hot sex partner comes in the room. They're going to be so surprised. I mean, with a pillow. One flu looking way too, way too thirsty in the face. Looking way too thirsty. She's going to be really turned off when she gets in here and sees me salivating like this. And also, no one starts sex completely under the covers. (laughs) Brian, you know how you get so horny? You get all the way under the covers by yourself. Take off all your clothes, (laughs) get hard, put on a condom, turn off the lights, get under the covers. And you're staying hard, like, while this woman is maybe coming at some point to the room, like, just by sheer force of will, I guess. It's so insane. I mean, you're really setting, if you're getting fully naked, getting under the covers, and getting yourself hard, and putting the condom on, you're really setting yourself up for, like, a 10 to 15 second encounter. Yes, exactly. Maybe, like, 
you're clear like you don't want to have sex that person has no interest in having sex they mostly have interest in getting it over with (laughs) like they have gotten themselves to the like one yard line you know and they just need the girl to come in and just do like a little bit (laughs) yeah and then he puts a pillow over his face as well he clearly does not want to have sex (laughs) with this person that's coming in the room even though ostensibly for the sake of the plot of the movie he does so maybe, I mean, maybe it's tender. Maybe it was going to be a uh, two guys. Maybe that was what it was supposed to be all along. <laughs> well, it did kind of remind did... me of like it's kind. Of, this movie is like you're saying, Ricky, or you know, it's such an amalgam of all these teen movies. It's kind of like Heather's, right? Where they do this in Heather's, except that it doesn't have this like ridiculous, you know, television aspect to it, and they don't murder. They don't get murdered, right. you know. Right. And- Heather's actually I would actually argue that as much as I started off by saying this was I would argue Heather's version of this might be more um homophobic oh than, than, than this version. Because in Heather's they end up violently killing themselves and that is like a comedic punishment for No, for they it. shoot them. They shoot yeah, them. Yeah, they don't kill them. Oh, they shoot yeah. still, whatever. That's still like not but it's, <laughs> and it's like of- right. Well, actually, the actor that plays the um, one of the District 8 guys is, um, or Section 8. <laughs> one of the Jocks and Heathers, right? He looks like Ram, right? Or he's the other one? Yeah, I think I think that's who he is. I'm going to look it up really fast. But it's funny that right, like, he Heathers looks into the brain, because I thought the same thing, that he, he looked like the, the football player, the, um, the, the dumb one, Ram. I love one. my dead gay son, like that one, yeah. Yeah. I think he's the one that um, he's the guy with the very Canadian name. Yeah, Le- it's him. It's him. He's Ram. It is. It's him. Oh my god! And he's in summer school. That's amazing. <laughs> Fuck. Honestly, you should get him on the podcast. I think you got to get this guy. I I, we- I would imagine him being on the podcast to sound exactly like he sounds in these movies. Like he. So what was it like working with this person? Uh, uh, yeah, you know, fucking, she's cool. She's all right. She's pretty hot. Pretty hot. Like, just sort of, like, bloated old guy who's out, who, like, was a good football player in high school. That's, like, how I imagined him in real life. But I bet he's a really sweet man. Yeah, he played a good meathead and obviously was getting cast a bunch, you know? Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's done a fair amount of TV work. Mm-hmm. Following up sure. on that. It happens. Um, I just want to ask Brian, uh, were there, because I, having established your credentials as, you know, the, I, I think Ricky said the world's foremost sex scene analyzer, oh is there, God. are there any sex scenes in this movie we haven't gone into in detail you would like to talk about? Cause believe it or not, we've skipped a few. So in case we missed anything, I wanted to give you the, an opening. Oh, wow. That's a great question. Well, you know, we go back to the, um, the main, you know, chuckle fucker you know, chucklehead guy, um, the, the puck character. Right. He does have a sex scene with the, um, the, the kind of Elizabeth Taylor looking brunette. Right. Yes. Oh, yeah. And what's so crazy about that sex scene and is that he covers his entire body in a sheet during the scene. So I'm guessing he has some sort of weird thing going on. <laughs> <laughs> like when you say weird thing going on <laughs> or a movie for like the caliber of like you know it's a real meat market movie and the caliber of nudity i'm guessing he's got some like like one really skinny arm <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
or like you know like a, a really tail. long nipple yeah like a rat tail that like can't be seen but like he doesn't like and you know as a, a you know to cast the gay male gaze onto this movie i was checking which guys got shirtless and like the head jock has nipples really close together and he's in the hot tub once he's in the hot tub once with his other jock friend right so that's yeah. thing that doesn't happen but i was like i was like trying to pay attention to who gets shirtless and like johnny's supposed to be the hot guy right in this whole thing and he's got two of the most elaborate sex scenes and you say two and a half i'm losing track <laughs> but he's Johnny. Even in the sex scenes that you know, just supposed to be the most passionate. Johnny is mostly completely covered up, like in yes. a cinematic yes. kind of way. You're only but, seeing his back or something weird like that, or it's just shot from this really bizarre angle, so you're not seeing any of his body at all. Yeah, he's completely covered. I'm like, well, this—they're not having sex. Like, she's riding his sternum, you know. <laughs> yeah. and, but I think I think this is all this is all in service of the boobs. Like this is every all of this has been set up so you can see the boobs. The boobs are lit best, and they're the best angle for the boobs. And it's like. They're probably like, who wants to see a guy with his shirt off? Get out of here. <laughs> like, That's 100% what it feels like. But when it comes to the main Chuckles guy, um, Puck there, don't you think they didn't really show him that much shirtless and stuff? Because he isn't sexy. Right. Like, I, like, I, and there was a certain element with all the men in this movie where it felt like, oh, I don't want to see you kiss anybody. Like anybody. Yeah, yeah. female, male, I, like there's no one about it felt like they had any sexual charisma. So like, even when Johnny was like having sex with that pretty beautiful woman, it was like, oh, please just stop doing, hot. stop showing yeah. me this. This is uncomfortable. You reminded me of the actress from Weird Science. That was like the trope, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, like, because she's supposed to be like a little bit older and like a little weird. like mysterious. You know, my favorite line in the movie is, and when he's asking like what she likes to do for fun, she's like, I like to spend money. <laughs> a lot of it. Man, a woman who knows herself can't fall. And then my there. second favorite line, and again, this is paraphrasing, is when the head jock, when his um his crew is you know put in this awkward gay sex situation, he screams, "My men aren't homosexuals." That's <laughs> <laughs> like okay. <laughs> um. Should we? Yeah. Uh, oh, there's more sex scenes, Chris, that you wanted to. Talk no, about. I'm, I'm, I'm. So I couldn't possibly go again. No, I'm. I, I mean, I genuinely found, I found the 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 sex scene with the older woman to be slightly horrifying, um, just because there was a scene where he was. The, oh, you know what it was? They were making out in her bedroom. She took off her clothes, and then it cut to them fucking on a table. Yeah, the table. What was up on the a table? kitchen table? Like they. They were in the middle of fucking or about to have sex, and and someone was like, no, 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 not in the bedroom. I want to go to the kitchen table. And the kitchen table, if I remember correctly, was like, we had seen the layout of the house. The kitchen table was downstairs. So they stopped hooking up and went down because someone gets turned on fucking on a wood table. Yeah, and this is why at the end of the day, having sex with hot people is sucks because they're real weirdos and they like they make you do like you're already having sex and they're like, actually, let's have sex on the table. And you're like, okay, where is like right here? And they're like, no, it's downstairs. And you're like, oh, all right, fine, I guess because you're hot, fine. Oh my god. 
like, I, I don't want to have to change my sheets. Can we do it on a surface that I can Windex afterwards? <laughs> it just kind of hurts my back to have sex on my bed. It's really good for sleeping, but for sex, it's not very good. And then there's like another moment. I think it's in the first sex scene with Johnny's blonde girlfriend, mm-hmm. or maybe it's in the. Or no, you know what? It's in the. It's in the second one. Johnny's wearing a cross. Oh yeah. And it's not. But like clearly the actor was wearing a cross and no one it's just weird. They're fucking and he's there's a cross in the center of the frame <laughs> dangling dangling on her tits from his neck. And it's like no one was like, hey, maybe we should take that off. Like it's kind of weird to have this in a sex scene. They were like, just didn't notice it. Like, you fine, got, whatever. You gotta contextualize it though. It's it's 1990, 1991. I agree with this. You've got George Michael. Like crosses were... Marky Mark was seems like he would do something like this. Yeah, yeah. Crosses were part of like the um the style. Like sexy dudes wore big crosses on really yeah. long chains. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Tupac had a cross. Oh, for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. 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 So this was I actually mean... adding to it from every from the from a contemporary point of view, they were like, cool cross. <laughs> I agree with you in terms of the time, but I do think any other movie would think to themselves like we shouldn't have a cross in the center of the frame during a sex scene unless that's something we're trying to say. Right. Ricky, I think and we're just learning a lot about your relationship to Christianity, I think. is <laughs> It's sacred. I find it sacred, okay? It was this very disrespectful have, towards Jesus Christ, Ricky, is it? So the bet at the end, can I just call it one thing? So the bet at the end is the person who loses, they are banished from the mountain forever, Right. Yes. But what, yeah. But it's something like that. But then they're not. They're all partying together. Yeah. Even yeah. The, the total assholes, the homophobic, misogynistic cheaters, cheaters, pure serial killers are like <laughs> at the bar at Party Mountain. They rename it Party Mountain, which is pretty awesome. Party Mountain. Yeah. It's pretty they, cool. They've welcomed them back into the fold. And I kind of appreciate that but it also just is one more reason why like there's just no stakes in this movie they're just all having trying to have a good time you know brother like we're just all here to have a hang out at party mountain you know yeah it felt like the filmmakers felt like having any stakes would or committing to any ideas would hurt the characters right like oh we don't want to do that we like these guys let's just you know they don't have to leave the mountain but we're not going to explain why they don't have to leave the mountain, even though we've set up that they would have to or leave even if they like, lost. From the like filmmaking point of view, it's like you want them to be there to get their just desserts in the last scene. And, you know, somebody on set is like, wait, didn't they already get banished from the mountain? And like, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's similar. Like every like every reaction shot in the movie. What are we reacting to? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Something crazy is going on. I mean, not that I want there to be like consequences for the jock's girlfriend to literally get hit on and hit on anyone she wants to throughout the whole movie. Like, <laughs> nothing stops her from just going up to people and being like, hey. yes, yes. Like the whole movie, there's no, and I again, I don't want there to be consequences. <laughs> Like he seems like a murderer, but like <laughs> at one point she's in plain view of like just completely flirting with someone else at like the caviar party, and he spills his drink down his her blouse or down her like you know cleavage, and the it's like ten feet away from her boyfriend, and she's like I think I need to go change into something else, 
Then they go back to her room. I'm like, this is all happening in broad daylight. And by the way, the way that she even got into this conversation is she's speaking to her boyfriend ostensibly and their friend. And she goes, excuse me for a second. And takes two steps away to go flirt with someone. (laughs) Yeah. And then cuts to her room and she's now in a bra and panties, which there's no way she was wearing that bra underneath. Under that dress, right? Yeah. Like she changed into like, a sexy other thing and was on a giant landline phone changing in front of the, the cool dude. Right. And I was like, what is happening? Like happen without anyone like caring or noticing. Yeah. Cause normally in a movie it would be like, he would get mad at her or like there would be some kind of consequence or she or would like even away. become someone else's girlfriend or something. But no, it's just her thing is she just will flirt with anyone at any time. And there's, it's fine. The movie's just very accepting of it. You know? Yeah. It's very well, sexy. Again, it's like the basic, it's like the basic question someone who's reading the script or on set would ask, which is like, so the director's like, okay, you're going to go over here and then you're going to flirt with this guy. And someone will go in front of my boyfriend. <laughs> Wouldn't he get mad? And they'd be like, shut the fuck up. It's not about what, who, who would do or wouldn't do. It's about you taking your shirt off in the next scene. And that's where we're going to get, sweetheart. Let's go. We got to set up the fact that you're taking your shirt off in the next scene. So just, you know, make it seem like real sexy. So can we talk about, can I talk about really fast before we get to the final thing here, which is that in the climax of the movie during the ski jump competition or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck it is, there's like eight to ten extras that are filmed over and over again <laughs> and it's supposed to be this big crowd where at the end when the the um the section eight like decides to like show the mountain how to party and they come down and they're like see everybody wants to party it's party mountain and it, like the camera pans and there's like five people drinking beers <laughs> no like so empty feeling and there's no one there for the party they keep cutting to the main characters with like two people surrounding them I love that. yeah well yeah. you gotta pack those frames ricky you know what i mean you pack the frame you can't even tell you can't even tell if you pack the frame yeah, pack with the same people over and over <laughs> and over again most of whom were main characters in the movie so it doesn't feel like, it feels like the mountain is populated solely by these eight people that we've seen stories about for the majority of the movie um also uh oh i forgot what i was gonna say sorry what's the end here what are we talking we're doing the thing okay so (laughs) the name of the show 30 years later obviously all the movies from this uh year will have happened in 1991 uh brian since you're the guest what what did you think was the most 90s thing about this movie oh wow um I think the most ninety thing, the nineties thing about this movie was the the ski outfits, you know. Oh my god! To me, yes. it's like seeing like the Oakleys and like all of the name brand, like the neon, like all that just felt extremely nineties. Even though it was probably more eighties than nineties, but yeah. No, I think it's nineties. This is actually my answer too. It's like they're all like teal and pink and like neon yellow and like very extreme looking, like you know, like MTV Sports kind of stuff. Uh, And I think this is all completely gone, except for the fact that it's come back again, like in the last two years. I actually think the fashion of this movie fucking rules. I took a bunch of pictures and when the episode's coming out, I'm going to put them all out everywhere. Like I I thought everybody was dressed like a million fucking dollars. I loved it. Oh yeah. The clothes are the best. My, uh, my nineties thing is that this feels like the movie that sets apart 
sort of theatrical distribution of these breast-based <laughs> summer ski school uh, movies from the 80s where those were actually like you they would be like meatballs and meatballs 2 and summer school and all these movies would be released in theaters and ski school while it was released in theaters feels like it's the moment where they hit beams so bad that they're all about to be straight to video right and then you get into the 90s where like all of these movies are just you know meatballs 4 with Corey feldman zapped yeah national lampoon's tit house or whatever it is (laughs) like they're, that's what they sort of all become until Van Wilder re-estab- like reestablishes them. Well, the American Once Pie movies, like, don't forget that. Oh, that's true. The American Pie movies really reestablished, and Van Wilder rode, rode the coattails of that, just like Ryan Reynolds always is riding the coattails <laughs> of Jason Biggs. <laughs> Throughout his career, yeah, definitely. His whole career, he's just riding Jason Biggs' coattails. Um, what? Uh, so the next... You know, oh, no, you do it. You fucking do it. You fucking do it. I'll fucking do it. I'll do it. Um, so the other thing that we ask is that this movie came out 30 years ago. Um, it's, so it's 30 years old. What do you think Ski School has grown out of in 30 years? What do you mean? <coughs> See, you always um, fuck this up, Ricky. What, like, what do you... <laughs> What he means is, and I don't know, what he means is what has society grown out of since this movie came out? Like, what have we collectively grown out of since this movie came out oh yeah i would say not like there being no female friends in the movie <laughs> like yeah. we've grown out of the idea that like this that it, entire worlds are just like all you know homosocial like it's all men all the main characters are men practically like all white the men they're all white yeah yeah like i think we've just grown out of the fact that like I think, you know, the the brunette in the movie, um, the kind of Elizabeth Taylor looking one, which is how gay I am that I'm like referencing that she looks like Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> no. like, you know, current <laughs> celebrity everyone talks about, Elizabeth Taylor. She has like a little kind of brunette bob. It's kind of funny. But I think she would be, I think she would be like the third lead and she would be like their friend. And yeah. she would be just as into hijinks and she would be just as into pranks and like i think we've just grown out of the idea that like (laughs) that like girls can be girls can't be funny (laughs) well american pie like you're talking about right like allison hannigan is one of the leads of that movie kind of you know totally yeah yeah american pie centers is um the three women and the three men it's their story it's mostly the men but they do try to show the girls the girls click uh, yeah, they awesome. show that girl's click, all right. Oh, <laughs> or click Cordis. No. <laughs> um, I'm sorry to our listeners. Yeah, just Christmas. cut it out. I don't care. Cut it out. Cut it no, out. that's not getting cut out. You no, please, Ricky, out. please. Absolutely not. Absolutely ruined. not. That's going to exist on the internet. I'm going to be ruined. So your daughter can hear it oh, in 20 years. No. That's what that's, that's going to be. I'm actually going to put it on a locked YouTube page that nobody <laughs> Mother. This is something you would fucking do to me, by the way. um i I think what it's we've already talked about in my opinion what it's going out of which is um uh breasts showing showing breasts that just does not happen anymore it's not it's not a thing i think we're as as a culture we're just desensitized to breasts appearing on a tv and movies because it used to be like there was nowhere to see breasts like there was it was impossible basically to find them you know that is not the case now we and i don't think that that's 
bad. I think it's probably very good, actually. But their their position in society was such in this time in history that like you could make a whole movie that was just like, here are a couple moves, you know, and that could get you through the whole thing. I know. I was trying to think of the last time people cared about boobs in TV or film, and it might have been The Sopranos. Where like people would tune in on Sunday night. It's like, oh, we're watching prestige TV, but you know they're gonna do the bada bing scene, you know. And it's right. like maybe yeah. that was the last time. Or like Californication. Like I'm trying to think of like Californication. Definitely, where people right. cared about just like True Blood. Just cared about just like blatant nudity. Game of Thrones. Do you remember Game how much? Thrones, do you remember how much people cared about like butt and side boob in NYPD Blue? Oh my god! Like how big of a deal that was. And France shows his butt. <laughs> Like, oh my God, yes. It was such a huge thing. I mean, I think there's like jokes about it yeah, on the Simpsons. They're like talking about it at the Oscars and stuff, you know? Yeah, I think the most, I mean, are we kind of getting that with that upcoming Anna, Anna Diarmas and Ben Affleck, like erotic movie that's supposed to be coming out? Ooh. Yeah, because I, I can't think of an, like an erotic thriller at the very least in the last like 10 years that people have been excited. Well, about. Ben Affleck was in one of them. Gone girl. Gone girl. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. See side no nudity. You see side boob, side dick. Yeah. But you don't, there, you don't really, there's no real nudity in that movie. I mean, not compared to ski school, certainly. No. And actually the most nudity in gone girl is Neil Patrick Harris. He has, he's fully naked in it right before he's murdered. And, <laughs> It just made me so sad for him that he'd probably gotten in really good shape for this moment, you know? <laughs> and he's like fully, fully, full frontal naked for like one second, and then he's covered in blood. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool, though. I mean, that's pretty cool if you're going to get fully naked in a movie and then to get like violently murdered and covered in your own blood. I mean, that kind of rules. I think that kind of rules. <laughs> Game, Game of Thrones, right? Yeah, too, Game because that's when yeah. Game of Thrones, like the sex scene, started to get kind of kinky and fucked up, right? And that's when, and that seemed to be the next step. And that's it was the, a thing people just used to say about the show. They would be like, "Oh, I don't like to watch that. It's just all these crazy sex scenes." Like that was like one of the things you could say about Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. uh for me the thing that we've grown out of i mean where to even fucking start right like i mean i agree with everything you guys have said i mean very scheme i mean never in my heart ricky never in my heart um but like yeah i mean i think both you guys were talking about treatment of women i mean that's usually something that comes up a lot on the show we haven't even mentioned the fact that there's multiple scenes where the guys are spying on women while they change clothes oh, yeah. and the women often catch them looking but they're like mm, like they don't they, even mind you know yeah it's it's the most real realistic part of this movie that when you spy on women while they're getting undressed, they love they it. They love it. They, they see you and they're like, crazy. oh, that's super hot. You're watching me change. You're sitting on a roof and staring at me in the hot tub like, that's cool. <laughs> There's no better way into a woman's heart than just invading, just crossing all of their boundaries and treating yeah. them like objects. This it was definitely, I watched this with my wife up. and she said she like had the most visibly... Uh, disgusted reaction to these parts of the movie and she was like this is she's like oh my god this is why guys grew up thinking it was okay to do stuff like this because yes, in movies this like true. this it seems funny and it seems like a joke or even like women like it you know this is absolutely true that like the the 80s like movies in the 80s did not do any favors for like women's interactions with 
for being treated respectfully. Like by men's men. interactions with women, like this is what you're getting told as like a little boy. You know, it's like you were saying, Brian. It is like an instruction manual, and some of it is like super fucked up. You know. Oh yeah, totally. It's like Porky's. You know on repeat where it's like you gotta find a people to look at the ladies that's just how it goes you know like guys will just do anything to see a girl naked and it's her job to keep me from seeing her naked you know you know what's a you know what's another thing and this might be off 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 track from what we're talking about but that we just haven't talked about yet was even for the genre of movie that this is how awful looking the film was how (laughs) it's like how flat and how poorly shot and how like badly directed and blocked were, and it, it was, it, I, I just, I couldn't believe it. Even for this type of movie where you expect it to kind of look like shit and be cheap, this looked like bad, like worse than Cinemax softcore porn at times. Yeah, we were talking about like the cutaways and stuff, and you were talking about those like three dudes that they keep cutting to for their reactions of stuff. Like this is just an example of how poorly directed it is. And there's like a so it's like supposed to be a scene like there's a million scenes like this party scenes or they're like kind of ski school meeting scenes where Puck is like making a speech and making jokes, and there's only like five or six people in the room, but they keep cutting to like three individual cutaways of groups of three or four people over and over again throughout the scene to like show you reactions, which is just the most like absolute basic, like oh, caveman is like, okay, now movie needs to show somebody laugh at joke, you know? <laughs> I would Brian, what's your movie favorite... <laughs> <laughs> Brian, what's your favorite part of the movie? My favorite part of the movie. Jeez. Uh, when it ended? No. Um, <laughs> Lunch. No, I think it was the reaction. I was very surprised when I was very surprised when it ended that there wasn't a post-credit scene. I went all the way through the credits expecting Puck to like show up and be like, "Hey, the movie's over. What are you guys still doing here? Hit the slopes, <laughs> hit the slopes, pals. Season's over or some shit." But nothing. I was think I was like, "You guys can't even do that. That that is a quintessential thing to do for these movies." I agree 100%. Like, yeah, the Puck character should have been like, see you next year. Like, that should have been the last line of the movie. Oh, it needed way more gags, like actually funny gags. But the... um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, if we're going to go down that road, I mean... (laughs) My favorite thing about the movie actually was the cutaways because it became like this, you know, inside joke that you know that it was just like a little... Like you didn't know if they were in charge of the camp factor, but it reminded me a little bit of Valley Girl, where you like cut away to someone at the party and it's a guy eating an entire thing of sushi in one bite, you know? And it's yeah. like to me, ski school had like nothing thought out and none of these reactions really paid off. But like every once in a while there'd be like a great eye roll or like a fake laugh and you would just sort of like laugh at that and so i think to me that was my favorite part of the movie is all the like random extras (laughs) yeah and and also cutaways with main characters like there are party scenes where it cuts to the guy from teen wolf 2 like djing the party like since when was he a dj and he's clearly not playing this music and he's doing like a 1950s sort of like dance where you know like one thumb goes up behind him and the other one thumb go they go up and down kind of thing and He's doing the hand jive, basically. Yeah, like, why would he be doing this dance in 1991 at this ski school party that he's DJing where this, like, 
this red hot chili peppers music is esque music is playing. Every song sounded like a stock red hot chili peppers song. <laughs> and they wish, Ricky, they wish they could have gotten the clearance for a fucking red hot chili peppers song in this movie. But it was so it was so obvious that they didn't play music on set. Oh, they were yeah. like, okay, guys, you're you're dancing now, you're dancing. And then they would just lay music over it that didn't match the beat of their dancing at all. <laughs> even in even in edit, it was in- incredible. Yeah. Um, I mean, what do you want them to do? You want them to like edit the movie to the music <laughs> that's in the movie? I mean, it sounds like a huge headache, Ricky. I mean, come on. What do you what what do you want them to do? They got all the tits on screen. You want them to do more work? Come yeah, on. come on. What yeah, there's music and people are dancing. Uh oh my god, they're not dancing correctly to the music. I mean, you know, who cares? Um <laughs> Chris, what was your favorite part of the movie? Uh well, I mean, I was mentioning it before, but I love the fucking I do genuinely love the ski tricks in this movie. Like I'm not like a huge <laughs> ski person or something. I've I've been like five times in my life, but it was like really right. cool. I thought the ski stuff fucking ruled. I thought it all looked awesome. And actually my wife, she's from New Zealand and she, at the end party scene, she paused the TV and she got up and she was like, Oh, she's like, she looked at, she Googled something. And one of the guys in the last scene is wearing a t-shirt from like AJ Hackett's bungee jumping in New Zealand, which is like the place where bungee jumping had been invented just two years before this movie was filmed. So I think that kind of goes a little way towards like supporting the idea that these people are like extreme sports people who have somehow made a movie. You know, like that is really that is really what we're seeing here. And, and and everything else that's around the skiing is like their idea of what would you put in a movie, but they really have no interest in or ability to make movies. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, but like the skiing stuff, good. It was good. It was good. I thought I liked it. <laughs> I would say that the uh well first off, I wanna go back to what Brian said about like if there were any good gags in this movie, and I have to ask. Were there any gags? Like, I don't, <laughs> there was maybe there was there was the whole sequence. Probably the most thought out sequence in terms of gags was the gay sex setup. Right. Yeah. Right. Like outside of outside of that, I don't think there was one gag in this movie. It was mostly like, okay, the scene is this guy's mad at you, and and you're doing this, and so you just make a joke or something, and the actor would be like, make a joke. Okay. Um, it sucks that you're mad at me. Me and the guys are gonna walk away. And that would be that would be like this the movie's attempt at comedy, um, but in that vein, there is a scene where they find out that the mountain is going to be bought or sold or something, and they're in the administrator or the I would just say the principal, the principal of the yeah. mountain. <laughs> yeah, uh, is he the principal? He's the dean of the mountain. Oh yeah. But see, this is one of those scenes where he, he does he says they're expelled and they go like what are you talking about we're expelled and he's like i don't know suspended i don't know but it's like are they at school or are they not at school well and that's another moment though where like that was a moment where i got extremely mad at the movie and for some reason that's my favorite part because it just viscerally upset me when they are having this conversation and this main character again, Dean or whatever the fuck his name is, stands up and does this like weird Shakespearean theatrical performance thing and everybody around him starts doing it and it's not funny, but they keep doing it and nobody wrote wrote any lines for them and it's jaw dropping because you can't, who you just, I'm just wondering who would enjoy this? Who would think this is funny? Who on set laughed while they were doing this? And that's my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> 
It was infuriating. Oh it was because it was, was the only to... time you felt an emotion while watching the movie was being angry at this scene. Yeah, because most of the time I just found the movie to be very flat and and affectless and 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 it felt like depression in a lot of ways. <laughs> too many people in every shot. Like yes. instead of just choosing what you were looking at, it was like a theater production where they were like, just cram everyone around this table or in this room. And Brian, too many, too many people, too many people in every shot, but not enough to establish a crowd. Exactly. <laughs> every shot has six people in it, you know? <laughs> and you could just hear the like director being like, levels. Like someone sit and someone stand. Oh yes, definitely always, lean. always. Did someone lean. Yeah, we're you're all in a line. So someone just lean. Okay, action. <laughs> That's a, that was another thing about this movie in terms of levels, and this is way too technical to even give a shit about when it comes to this movie. But the was every did it, did you guys find the sound mix was really strange? Oh, it was and awful. It was, like, it was awful. Yes, <laughs> right. Like so awful, it was strange. Like it was another element that felt like. Well, I was watching softcore porn on cinema. We're saying we're so confused by the movie and we didn't know what the fucking plot was. There is an announcer over the opening credits explaining everything about oh, the like crazy. setup of the school and everything, but you can't fucking understand what he's saying. You can't understand it. He's like, welcome to ski school where there's a, a two different levels of ski work or skiers and they're going to compete and we're going to start in. So what? It's all echoey and it's not loud enough and like... It just reminded me, you just reminded me that in the end, after they win the competition, that announcer comes over the, the movie and he's like, and the school has just been bought by a woman. It's saved. <laughs> it's the craziest thing that's ever happened. It's like out of nowhere, this announcer has a press release about like what's going to happen. Like, you know, this this ragtag competition that had five people at it is over. And so, and somehow they had announcers for the whole thing and like, you know, voice guy, like a play-by-play guys. And like the play-by-play guy has also just been handed a press release that the mountain was bought by, by, by somebody and it won't fall into the hands of the evil people who want it. Exactly. Which he's reading out during some other thing he was broadcasting, I guess, you know? Uh, Yeah. All right, guys. Ski school. Um, a, I, 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 I genuinely love bad movies, but I don't think I could even recommend this as like a bad movie to have fun with. No. I would yeah. watch <laughs> I mean, Class Action Park on HBO Max if you want the exact same vibe, but with with like real heart and real um real partyings. <laughs> like Wait, is Class Action Park the one with Johnny Knoxville? No. Class Action Park is about a bunch of um water water park uh, employees in New Jersey. It's a documentary, but yes, have all this. It's also an HBO Max. Like that's where I I streamed, you know, Ski School uh, uh, for this podcast. And I was like, oh, I know the vibe. I know the kind of kids. These like kind of trashy party animals. Like I know what they're going for because I just watched Class Action Park, and it's <laughs> one click away. <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah, you're t- you're talking about Action Point, Ricky, which is the, based on the same story. It's also about yes. uh, that same water park. Oh, the- oh, yeah. This is the documentary version, and they have yeah. some archival footage of these parties. Like, someone had a camcorder, and it is a bunch of people, like, standing on tables doing the Pee Wee Herman dance, like, you know, <laughs> shotgunning beers. Like, it is that, but it's actually fun, you know? Can I just say my friend 
Johnny was in <laughs> Action Point, you know? And he told me that, mm-hmm. like, for some reason, it was cheaper for them to build the water park in South Africa than to film it at any water park that existed anywhere in America. What? So they, like, completely built a water park in South Africa. And I was I was talking to him about it, and I was like, what? so how is that? How is everything there? And he's like, you know, I wish if something didn't work, people would just, like, tell you it didn't work instead of, like, pretending it worked until it was, like, obvious it was broken. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh my God. God. On this movie about an unsafe water park, that's your one note? <laughs> like, sounds that's awful. frightening. Yeah. Um, Brian, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. I hope, um, I hope uh, it all comes together. <laughs> yeah, you, I think you, you, you were better than us. So that was, that's, it's an upgrade for us. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Well, let's hope my audio recorded. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, think, I think we have it. I think we have it. I mean, we'll find out very soon. <laughs> okay, guys, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to end on a, on a, on a good note. I'm going to let you go with, please just remember that skiing is partying and partying is skiing right that's right